Welcome in. It is the Crawford Talks as we hit the middle part of May. He is Jay Kaplan, the Astros writer for The Athletic, and I'm Mike Meltzer. We've got a lot to discuss on this uh, first episode of the week on a Monday. Jake, how are you doing? I'm well. I can't believe it's May 18th. Wow. I know. It feels like we, I mean, we launched this podcast, what, March 3rd or something? And Yes. uh, Yeah, I can't believe it's already two months into this thing. Yeah, I look at whenever I look at the the calendar now, I'm I'm kind of in this weird uh ver- I'm in this weird mental state where I'm like you don't want time to pass too quickly because you want to kind of appreciate the moments. And yet in these times in a pandemic, you feel like the more time passes, it's only a positive, right? Because it only gets us closer to whatever the heck the other side is going to be. That's kind of my mentality on it. Yeah, and I'm trying not to like look at my calendar and say, "Oh, uh I would have been covering this baseball game uh, on this day, or I would have been in this city on this day. But, it, you know, I did notice over the weekend it would have been Astros Yankees in Houston and I think Sunday night baseball last night. So, oh, yeah, uh, that's tough that we uh, will not get that this year. That is uh, that's true. Well, definitely not now, obviously, because that would have had all sorts of uh, storylines and maybe that can happen uh, at some point this year. So let's let's dive in and begin with the biggest story going on in baseball, which was all the reporting this weekend first reported by The Athletic about, OK, if baseball returns in 2020, how are they going to deal with COVID-19? Well, so far, there's a 67-page proposal that was delivered to the union on Friday night, and it includes a bevy of details about what is allowed and really what is not allowed. So what's not allowed is high fives during games, fist bumps, hugs, uh, spitting, tobacco use, chewing sunflower seeds. Players would be, quote-unquote, discouraged from showering at the facility. They wanted them to do it at their house or their hotel. They would be banned from using any ride-sharing services like Uber or Lyft, taxis as well. Jake, what was your initial reaction when you read the details of these protocols on Saturday? Yeah, um, it's, it's. I mean, we've been talking about this for a few episodes now, like enough with the money talk. Let's see the safety protocols. So I'm glad that they finally, you know, put this out there. Um, it's it's a lot as it should be, right? I mean, uh, I, really, for me, it underscores how um, difficult and challenging it will be to have a season this year. Obviously, we knew that already. But, um, you know, if, if you were if you were unsure of that and thought it was going to be just back to baseball uh, with with no restrictions, uh, this is this is not that. So I don't know. I think um, I have some questions. Like I'm not really sure how they will separate lockers in a clubhouse, like they say. Um, well, especially because it's such a uh, tight time window, right, Jake? Because I mean, think about it. They say in these protocols. Well, your lockers need to be six feet apart. I mean, you've been in the Astros clubhouse a million times. I've been there. I've been in there as well. Like those those lockers are not six feet apart. Well, I was even thinking more like, have these people been to Fenway Park and and the Coliseum yeah. in Oakland? Like you're they're on top of each other in there, and you're 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 having um, increased roster sizes too. So like, I yes. don't really know how that works. But 
Yeah, I mean, I guess my main takeaway is this doesn't sound like a. Uh, it doesn't. It, it, I think it's going to be a challenge for the players um, if it does happen to, you know, do all these things and not be miserable, right? Like it doesn't sound like a. Um, and I know everyone's, you know, you have to adjust your expectations right now, but um, I don't know. It just sounds like is it worth it? Like, that's kind of my main takeaway. Like, is this, and I know we all want baseball back, but for a partial season, uh, that's comes with a lot of risk in my opinion. Um, is it worth it with, with, uh, under these conditions was kind of my, my main thought. Well, I wonder Jake, if you are, what I worry about is, and I think about my own life, and what I've been doing for the last couple of months, like I think I've probably been just, you know, talking to you both during the podcast and, and off the quote unquote air, so to speak. I think I've probably been out a little bit more than you have. Like I'm not going crazy, but I'll go to the grocery store like once a week. I'll go to Costco once every two weeks or so. I go to the park regularly, but I'm not so much worried about outdoors. And what I worry about, if this makes sense, is when I am, let's say, at an indoor place, um, like if I'm in a grocery store, I'm wearing a mask. I'm just a little bit more tense, if that makes sense, right? Like I'm a little bit more right now naturally nervous about like, you know, will I get this virus? Where is this virus? Uh, when's the last time I washed my hands because I would have done it when I left my apartment? So I'm kind of, if it makes sense, I'm kind of in that state of mind, in that sort of unease up until I go home, wash my hands, like disinfect as many things as I can, and then I'm in more of a comfort zone. When these guys are playing baseball and all these things are not allowed, how can you be in a comfort zone when you're trying to do something so difficult and so hard, and yet you have to now abide by all these rules that you've never had to abide by when playing this sport? Yeah, and on top of that, there's no fans in the stands, so there's no energy in the ballpark. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how like if the product's going to be good, right? Like I know that's, that's probably not what the owners are thinking about. They're probably thinking about how can we get the, the game back so we can, we can uh, not lose all this money, which seems to rule everything, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I think um, it's, it's, it, it's again, it kind of underscores to me how, um, maybe not unfeasible, but like, it, it just seems like, I don't know. I, it seems like <laughs> a lot. Um, and it seems like, well, it seems like a lot, Jake, because I, I think, and, and when I say a lot, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not saying, well, baseball's clearly gone way too far because that would be a ridiculous stance to take. But I did see some people kind of push back Jake this weekend saying, well, if they're test, and I probably should have mentioned that there's going to be very regular testing. We're talking diagnostic testing for COVID-19, antibody testing. Uh, the player's family members would be able to get that for free. So that would be going on at the same time. So simultaneously, and there was some pushback of like, well, these guys are being tested all the time. Why is there a need to have these this level of protocols if that's happening kind of in the background? Yeah, I mean, I don't, you're also, aren't you relying on the players to, and the coaches and everyone involved to like, um, be open with you? Like we saw in the UFC thing, right? Like a few weeks ago, like, mm -hmm. um, the one fighter, um, 
tested positive after having a family member have it, and he was he wasn't he around people for a couple days before that. So, I mean, I believe so. Yes, and that's just uh, an individual sport, you know. And so you're you're counting on all these players to understand every single aspect of this and to um, to be open if if something's if, they, if something feels off. Um, because the testing's not every day, right? Under this proposal, it's like three times a week. Yeah, I, I, I didn't read the exact amount of times per week, but it, it, it didn't sound like it was every single day. <laughs> I do know that the, uh, but it's you know a couple times a week. The, the temperature taking is multiple times per day. I do know that part. Yeah, I don't know. I just we're we're still learning new things about this virus every day, every week. And um, who's to say what we're going to learn about it from between now and the presuming, you know, the theoretical start date to a season? I just I don't know. For me, it, it just shows how um, the odds are stacked stacked against a, a 2020 baseball season. And yet at the same time, though, what I struggle with ultimately is what could derail a season? Right. And, and there are many things now. But where I kind of fall, Jake, is. I don't think there. I don't think the the reason why a season wouldn't be played is because of the money, which we talked about a lot last week. Make sure you check out the episodes with Evan Drellick and what we talked about last Thursday with uh, the divide between the MLBPA and MLB over the revenue split. I don't think they're going to come apart because of the money, and I also think like I don't think we're going to reach a stage where there's no agreements because they can't agree on health and safety protocols, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think these things, the money or the health and safety protocols would lead them to say, nope, we cannot reach a deal. I think it would be more just the facts on the ground in the country, in these different cities, and what the what the stats look like that would lead to them canceling it. I, I, think, they, I think, Jake, they'll be able to reach a deal on, on the money and these protocols. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they haven't actually sent over a proposal to the players about the money. Um, yep, not all yet. that talk last week about it in the media uh, and 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 kind of uh, you know negotiating through the media in a way, and then they they haven't actually sent MLB hasn't actually like sent over its economic proposal so to the players. So maybe you you got to think they're saving that for last, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's good that we have a health, uh, a safety protocol proposal now. I'm sure there'll be some tweaks to it uh, as they work this thing out. But ultimately, like we've said a hundred times, like the virus is going to dictate whether there's a season more than anything else. Like um, you need these protocols, sure, but we also need uh, things to get better in our country first. One of the things I wonder about, Jake, is how are some of these guidelines going to affect the actual the the competition part within the games you know for example read you know reading the coverage of these protocols one of the things they say is uh you know people in the dugout are six feet apart people you know people are also who are not playing are like around the dugout also six feet apart and so for the the Astros, for example, again, non-sign stealing category, they have had a number of games where they've been able to clearly figure out which pitchers are, are tipping. Uh, famously against Yu Darvish in the World Series in 2017, more recently against Tyler Glass, now uh, the first inning of Game 5 of the ALDS. And you would see those shots 
of, you know, Bregman doing something, crossing home plate and talking to the next guy about what Glasnow is doing. How would they how would they be able to communicate those sorts of things or other teams? Just the those those discussions that you see every single inning between the hitters or the pitchers, whatever the case might be. How do they communicate when they notice certain things happening during a game? Well, I mean, not even that, but like, how about like mound visits? Like if mound visits are gone, how is a catcher and a pitcher communicating like the basics of what they're doing? Um, You know, in between innings, pitchers meet with the pitching coach and the catcher, you know, to discuss the next inning and um, like just the very basics of baseball uh, are harder to uh, conduct in these conditions. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, first of all, how you enforce six feet of distance in a dugout where there's 30 plus people in it. I don't know if it's yeah. possible for everyone to stay six feet apart. Um, I mean, there's not, there's not that much space in there. Right. Uh, and there's coaches, there's trainers. I know they'll limit that stuff as much, you know, the personnel as much as they can, but they're also expanding the rosters. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of questions here. Um, you know, they, the players can't shower at the park, right? Uh, they can't use the, the different like hot tub, cold tub stuff that they do every game. Um, yes. so they basically like show up and leave and that's it. Um, in there, you well, show up in your uniform. Like I, I don't really understand how this is going to work. <laughs> well, that's another thing I was wondering about because, you know, as, as part of these protocols, so, uh, saunas, steam rooms, pools, cryotherapy chambers. Uh, I would think, especially in 2020, Jake, maybe you know more about this than I do, but that's like a routine part of players just getting their bodies yeah. uh, ready to play. And I was wondering when reading this, like, are they allowed to use cryotherapy chambers, you know, that are not at the ballpark? Or are they just discouraged, period? Because that kind of like high level technology, I imagine for a professional athlete, is like a pretty routine part of what you do now. Yeah, I don't know about the cryotherapy. I haven't talked to um, – that hasn't come up actually in many of my conversations over the years. But definitely the other stuff uh, every day. I mean, like when, when the media is after a game waiting for, for players, it's often because they're doing that sort of treatment uh, yes. in like a hot tub or a cold tub or whatever. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. Um, you know, New baseballs, anytime it's put in play and touched by multiple players, like you're, you're wearing yes. masks, masks in the dugout, um, which makes sense. Um, I mean, all this makes sense, really. It's just like it's it just uh, it's it makes me wonder if, if it's worth it. Have you ever been to a cryotherapy chamber, by the way? No, I haven't. Um, Antonio Brown kind of uh, scared me off of that that idea. Well, he's an idiot. You you should try it. You should try it, Jake, in like a non-pandemic, whenever they can make a safe sort of way. It's actually pretty interesting. Uh, I've done it a few times in Houston, and if people for people who don't know, which might be most of you, it's basically like it, it's like this uh, chamber that you go in, and they make the temperature really cold. Uh, I'm just gonna throw out some figures all the time. I think it's like minus one seventy Fahrenheit or just something along those lines. It's like really, like really high levels of cold and the point is that like you can expose your skin to that for a couple of minutes and it's supposed to like completely regenerate regenerate your nerves and that sort of thing i have no idea what what the science is on this but here's why antonio brown's an idiot because 
I've done it like four or five times. Anytime you do it, the two things that they give you are they give you these special like uh, basically uh, uh, slippers or sandals that you put on. And then also they give you gloves as well because like you can't have your extremities (laughs) uh, exposed to that sort of cold even for a couple of minutes. The fact that Antonio Brown went into a cryotherapy chamber in France uh, without slippers on is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will tell you it's... It's it's like a mental challenge because the first minute I've done it for three minutes a piece like the first minute like you're, like you're this is pretty cold it's not bad the second minute you're like I'm not sure if I'm gonna survive this that that, that third minute is kind of tough so I would recommend uh, once we're at, at at some point on the other end of all of this I think you should give it a shot I didn't know you were such a, a peak athlete you know uh, oh, I'm terrible but it's a cool thing to try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe in 2024 I'll check it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm like I said. I, I think I would encourage everyone to read through the the story by Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick that was published on Saturday morning, highlighting the highlights of the proposal that MLB sent over to the players about the safety protocols and the measures it wants to take. There's a couple pictures in there too. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, and um, it shows what it will take to put on a season if there is a season, um, and it's a lot. It is a lot, and a couple of the things I also want to bring up with with these protocols. Uh, so, chewing tobacco would be prohibited, right? And I, I'm not an expert in these matters, but as I understand it, like if you're if you're chewing tobacco, like that's a pretty addictive thing to do. Is that that easy to quit? For the people who do that sort of thing where they can just go without it for a couple of hours, is that naive of me? Did that cross your mind as well, Jake? Well, it just says no spitting, smokeless tobacco, and sunflower seeds in restricted areas. Um, so what is the restricted area? Is that the, is that the dugout? Um, okay, so maybe they'll, they'll be allowed to do it somewhere else, I suppose. Yeah, maybe there's some sort of room. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's I've never done it, um, so I can't really speak to it. But it, it sounds like something that would be addictive. Yes, um, addicting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions and things that I'm um, not exactly sh- sure on answers to. Um, I mean, this this we're only reading the highlights here, and it's pretty long. So this thing's 67 well, see, yeah. pages um, total. Um, so I imagine the, the players union is going to have a lot of um, questions and suggestions for MLB on, on tweaks to things here and there. And, and yeah, I don't know um, how you would do that. I mean, like, so there's not much on like the off the field stuff here, right? It's kind of just like, yeah, players will isolate at the hotels. Um, yes. Well, that to me is kind of the big that that's sort of the big mystery reading these stories is this is all rules or protocols that are happening at the ballpark or on the road, even though the road parts a little bit not as clear as being at the home ballpark. But Jake, these teams are going to have their own off field code of conduct. Now, I'm guessing it's going to be, hey, you know, wherever you're living, stick to like your immediate family and I'm guessing they're probably going to dis- discourage them from hanging out with friends as well. But there is going to need to be like a real hard sell and a real buy-in on the part of 
the whole organization, the players, the the manager, the coaching staff, that they're super careful off the field. Like that actually, even though there are all these protocols in place at the ballpark itself, which is the part that Major League Baseball can control, whether it works or not might be a lot more based on what happens off the field than actually at the ballpark itself. Yeah, and that goes back to what I said like eight minutes ago about like you're trusting the players to um, be responsible off the field and yes, relying on them and their families to isolate, right? I mean, like if any one of them uh, does not and, and contracts the virus and you don't know about it, um, you're in trouble. So, I, yeah, I – yeah, I, it's – there's, I was surprised that there's not more on that in the, I mean, maybe there is and we just don't have it, but, um, yeah, it, it says like luggage will be sent directly to the player's rooms on the road. They don't need, uh, to return a key after a hotel visit. Um, but there's yep. not a ton on the off the field stuff. And, and we had heard all that stuff about a bubble and, and whatnot. Obviously they're, they're seems like they're keen on playing in, in home stadiums as much as they can. Um, yes. But you wonder if that's possible in, in certain places like in California or in in New York. Do you think Dusty Baker is going to be allowed to use the toothpick? Hmm. It's a good question. It doesn't seem like he would be able to because it, it sounds like the people in the dugout are going to all have to be wearing masks, right? That's what it seems like. Yeah. Can you do a toothpick around the mask? That's a... I, I don't know. Like a I tightly guess it would be the fitted mask. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it would poke a hole through immediately. You'd have to have like a weirdly God. That, that's that's a weird thing about Dusty in the dugout with no toothpick. That would be a kind of a bizarre scene. I mean, the it whole would thing be. would be a bizarre scene. Yeah, I mean, nothing about this is not <laughs> going to be a bizarre scene. But um, you, know, you know what crossed my mind? And I know I'm getting like way ahead of myself, but I'm sure other people thought this too. So let's say everything goes great. And they reach a deal, spring training, 82 games, playoffs. So inevitably, a team will actually win the World Series. You can't really hold a championship parade. What would a team do to celebrate winning a World Series? A Zoom parade? I guess that's what they might have to do. They might have to actually do a Zoom parade. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I mean, like, and also, like, that's another part, like, the team that wins in 2020 is going to not be an official asterisk. I can't say that word well. And, but like, I think people are going to look at it differently, right? Like, even. I think so. Like, how can you not? Um, well, doesn't it also depend on who wins? I mean, because if, 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 let's say one of the favorites wins, the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, the Astros, one of those kind of teams, then it's sort of more. Um, it's like, okay, this kind of well, fits the Astros more. Win, but if, like, the, the rival fan bases will definitely put an asterisk on it, right? Um, I mean, I guess... But, but let, let, me, let me give you the counterexample. Like, let's say the... I'm trying to think of a good example. Let's say the, the Reds won. I think the asterisk would be more magnified, if that makes if sense. If the Reds as win, it's, to let, it's a makeup for 1981, right? Because they didn't get to make the playoffs that year. That's right. Make sure you... Yeah, yes, based on what Bill Brown told us about a month ago or so, which was fascinating. Yeah. No, I think... No matter who wins, it's going to be looked at differently. Um, you know, I don't. It's interesting though. Like 1981, I don't know how many people look at that differently, but that was also a lot more games than this is going to be. And this is exactly. going to be under such restrictions. 
no fans in the stands. Like, if it happens, like, yeah, I think fans will look at it differently. But from the owner's perspective, you know, if the playoffs, the playoffs are their cash cow, right? So that's what they're they're trying to get here. Exactly. Yeah, we're talking about uh, upwards of like three quarters of a billion dollars. I was reading this morning they get in the national TV deals for the postseason. I mean, who knows? Maybe it could be more this year. The asterisk definitely is out there. On the other hand, you know, like I listen to Mad Dog Russo's show often on Sirius XM, and he's talked a lot about this. And sometimes I'm sitting here, Jake, listening, and I'm thinking like, okay, I I think a lot of us are so desperate for sports that I will deal with that kind of conversation. Like, beggars cannot be choosers. (laughs) If we've got to sit here in no on November 15th and debate whether this was a real world series win by X, Y or Z team, I I would take that over the situation that we have now. Yeah, I mean, sports. some sports is better than no sports, but I think we do have to adjust our expectations. If baseball does come back under these conditions, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be way yeah. different, and um, it's still baseball, but I don't know. I just think we we're, it's going to be a while before we see the baseball we've grown accustomed to um, over the years. Jake, are there any specific health and safety safety protocols that you looked at and you were like, hmm, I'm not really so sure about that? Um, I didn't. Well, so one thing that, that we talked about in the last episode or, or two uh, was the um, the non-players, the non-20 and 30-year-olds who are um, essential to a baseball game being played um, that do not seem to be getting much attention. Uh, I think we talked about this with Evan Drellick in last Monday's episode, but you have coaches who are older, you have umpires who are older, you have clubhouse attendants, um, you know, trainers. Like, I know the focus is on the players because they're the ones who put the games on, but, you know, let's not forget about the the non-peak condition 20, 30-year-olds who are involved here. And what are you going to do for... For them, are they going to get testing more regularly? Are they, you know, like there, there should be precautions taken there, I think. And um, I didn't see any. Did you see anything about that in, in this? I did not specifically. If, if you're thinking like, hey, the managers are older, they're going to get testing more. I, I think they can probably arrange that. But to answer your question, I didn't see anything specific. Yeah, so I, I, that was that was one question I had, um, you know, and I'm sure there's stuff that they're going to iron out, right? This is just a proposal, and it's the first proposal, so you know, yes. there's room for improvement and tweaks. But that's still a major question for me: is not everyone is is a 28 year old, you know, athlete in peak physical condition, uh, in great health, you know, some. You know, the game has trended younger, so there are more younger managers and coaches than there were five, ten years ago. But there are still um, some who are older and there are other people who aren't coaches, you know, umpires and and trainers and clubhouse attendants who are older. So, um, you know, we got to take care of those people, too. Totally agreed. One one thing I was looking at or a a couple things just along these lines, these these protocols about. When I was reading, Jake, you know, fielders are encouraged to retreat from the base runner. Uh, the first base and third third base coaches are not supposed to approach base runners uh, or umpires. I mean, th- that to me ventures into the territory of like, okay, are you 
starting to kind of change the way the actual game between, you know, the, the white lines, so to speak, is played. Like, especially this whole, like, fielders encouraged to retreat from the base runner. I feel like, uh, again, it's a very serious situation. Obviously, you know, the virus is the one that's controlling these things. But when I read that, I'm kind of like, okay, that feels a little bit overboard considering all these other protocols you have. And that kind of affects the way that they're actually playing the game of baseball. So when I read some of those, I wasn't really sure about that. I think all of this is going to affect the way they play. I mean, I, like, I don't know how it can't. I mean, if you, how many times on a baseball field in a given game are the players right next to each other talking? It's pretty frequently. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I just I don't know how, how that's going to work. Um, what about sh- uh, shifts, defensive shifts? I, don't, I guess you're probably still six feet apart in those, but you're much closer yeah. to each other. Um, you know, left-handed batters I mean, up. Me, like, I, I just don't know that they can regulate contact when the games are actually going on, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think that things that happen, for example, I was watching uh, the highlights of the Bundesliga over the weekend, and, like, you know, guys can, you know, slide tackle soccer players, but once they score, they're not allowed to celebrate. And so I saw, you know, one guy score, and his teammates are all kind of forming, like, this, like, weird circle around him, and they're kind of celebrating. Uh, and, and that I'm fine with, but it's like, when they're actually playing, there's not really a lot you can actually do. No, there isn't. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how, how this is going to work. If if they even get to the point where they try, you know, there's still a long way to go for that, yes. right? As we speak here on May 18th, um, nothing is certain. So we just have to wait and see, I think. But um, I did... Th- think it was good that we finally saw some safety protocols out there because it's been way too much uh, talk about fighting over money, I, th- I think, that relative to, um, you know, the measures that will need to, to happen if a season is t- to occur. So we'll obviously keep tabs on this uh, between the protocols and the money. These are the big Uh, negotiating points and stories in Major League Baseball over the course of the next couple of weeks. We also wanted to mention a couple of other things that have happened uh, since the last time that we put out an episode, Jake. One was the the passing of Bob Watson, who was a former All-Star with the Astros. And you did a story where you interviewed Enos Cabell uh, about Bob Watson. When I was growing up, Based on where I was, I remember Bob Watson as the GM of the Yankees, and he was their GM when they won the World Series in 96 against the Braves. First African-American general manager to win a World Series. Passes away at the age of 74. What stands out? I read the article that you did with uh, Eno. So what kind of stands out to you about with that conver- conversation about Bob Watson? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, Enos put it in, in an interesting context of, you know, where does Bob Watson rank in most influential minorities in baseball history? And, you know, obviously yeah. Jackie Robinson being number one, but um, Enos said that he, he and Joe Morgan were talking about that very thing uh, on Thursday when Enos found out the news, he called Joe Morgan and they landed in the top 10 and maybe even top five for Bob Watson, um, which is pretty amazing. I mean, he's had an amazing career, an amazing life. Um, you know, he had all these different jobs. Like that's that's one thing that stood out to me in, in reading about him 
late last week was just how many different things he did. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, player co he was a hitting coach before he was a, an assistant GM with the Astros, then a GM with the Astros for a couple of years, then the GM for the Yankees, then major league baseball commissioner's office, uh, USA baseball. Like he, he just wore many hats over his, uh, his 74 years. Yeah. He seemed like one of those guys in reading your piece that was sort of like a, a gentle giant sort, like someone who did his job quietly, did it really well, and was a really good influence in the clubhouse. That's that's the distinct vibe that I got in reading your article and the other covers I read from Bob Watts about Bob Watson over the last couple of days. Yeah, gentle giant was a, a you know Enos Cabell used that as did Brian Cashman to describe Bob Watson. So I, I think there was a lot of uh, themes coming out of the comments about him. So um, Enos said that uh, Watson kept him out of trouble. Um, yep. If we can believe that. And was kind of the leader on those teams when, when some of the younger players weren't as mature as, as Bob Watson. Um, and Enos had some funny quotes about wanting to always fight and, and Bob would tell him to sit down. <laughs> yes. So, um, Enos also mentioned that Bob Watson swung a 42 ounce bat, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty. Because and if nobody you look does at the that pictures, it, yeah, if you look at the <laughs> pictures, you can, you can kind of tell it's a bigger bat. Um, but yeah, um, you know, obviously a sad day for baseball, um, on Thursday when we found out that new, and I, I think I woke up to the news Friday morning. It was, it was late Thursday when it came out, but, um, yes. sad day for baseball, um, but an amazing baseball life that, that Bob Watson lived. Uh, something good did happen over the last uh, couple of days. I think over the weekend, uh, Art Howe, who not only played but also managed the Astros, released from the hospital after it was announced a few days ago that he was battling COVID-19. Art Howe, obviously an older guy, uh, 73 years old. Uh, so he was in ICU, but he has been Release so that was uh, that was really good news. I I don't think I've ever ever met Art Howe, but anytime I talk to anybody around here, Jake, about Art Howe, they cannot stop raving about what a nice guy he is. <laughs> That's something that stands out to me. And obviously, all of us are thrilled that he has been able to be released from the hospital after that battle with COVID nineteen. Yeah, there was a um, a great article on the Athletic on Saturday. I want to say maybe it was Friday. Um, by Alex Coffey, who was our A's writer, about Art Howe and, um, you know, kind of how, how Moneyball, the movie, um, got it wrong with him. And, um, yes, w- which is interesting because that's <laughs> probably how most people would know of him, right? In the mainstream casual sports fan, you would probably know him from Moneyball yes. being portrayed by Philip Seymour Hoffman, which does not portray him in a great light. Um, and I, yeah, that, that's that's unfortunate. Um, he, I don't know him. Uh, he was around my first year on the Astros beat in 2016. He was doing the pregame and postgame with Kevin Eschenfelder um, in kind of that Mike Stanton role. But I, yep. I didn't really get to know him. Um, but yeah, you're right. Everyone raves about Art Howe and how he is just this really nice guy and and. Um, you know, you can kind of tell in like he's doing interviews from the ICU and and um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many people would be doing that, you know. So 
he's yeah it, it was good to hear on sunday that he's out of the icu and home and uh, hopefully he continues to improve and, and gets back to full health uh pretty quickly I have a quick random rant about this before we cl- we, we close things up. Uh, I saw somebody on my Facebook blaming Philip Seymour Hoffman for the portrayal of Art Howe. And I'm like, listen, like I don't think Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, like randomly put in a, a bad acting performance for Moneyball. I think if any if anything, you need to blame like Aaron Sorkin and the other guy who wrote Moneyball, like a screenplay, and not Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like I, I think I think the actor is is just playing you. And this is probably more of your wheelhouse, Jake, because you're the movie expert on this podcast. Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing the character that is basically written for him by those guys. Yeah, although sometimes when you're a big name actor, you do get some autonomy there and you can and play with things. I don't know. I would have to uh, know more about it. And honestly, that would be a good story to read about. Um, you know, when, how did they come to that portrayal of Art Howe and who yes. who wrote it that way? Um, you know, unfortunately, can't interview Philip Seymour Hoffman about it. But, you know, the writer, the screenwriters are, are still around. So that would actually be a, an interesting read. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, when you watch that movie and then you hear people talk about Art Howe, it, it does not align with, um, you know, the way that people talk about him. Uh, but obviously, you know, in, in Hollywood, things get get Hollywooded uh, up yeah, to, exactly. to improve I, I, the, the movie <laughs> or the narrative or whatever. Yes, I was. I was trying to think of the the verb or whatever that I was going to use as you were talking. Like he he was hot. Yeah, some Hollywoodization right. of Art Howe, which 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 came across not really the way that Art Howe actually was as the manager of the A's. All right, we will wrap it up there. So obviously, uh, stay tuned. Make sure you guys keep reading uh, the Athletic because the the biggest thing in baseball going on right now is this negotiation between Major League Baseball and the union over how a return to play happens, both over the money and all these health and safety protocols that we've been discussing over the course of this episode. Do us a favor, rate and review the podcast if you have not already. Uh, We are obviously on uh, twice per week. He is Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. This has been another episode of The Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic.